Hi, I'm, I'm Bob Skinstad and welcome again to uh, winning the away games. Um, we're actually on a fantastic journey where we're looking for displaced executives, not dissimilar to myself, the founder of Elixir, uh, Stephen Newton. A lot of people who've, who've uh, connected with me recently are, are, are loving the journey and the sort of slightly more intimate background um, stories on people around the world. Some of them have come from South Africa because that's a story that reflects ours. Some of them are from um, New Zealand. We've chatted to Scottish people who are sitting in Singapore. So there's a lot going on. But today, it's, it's a great privilege for me um, to welcome on on the show a, a person that I know well because, because of a connection that came through a, a mutual friend of ours. Um, and we've now spent a bit of time watching sports around the world, uh, which is right in his um, backyard. John Flynn, very big welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be here. Thank you for uh, having me on, mate. No, well, it's, uh, it's our privilege to have you here. Look, and John, what I do at the beginning of the show is I do a 30-second, so I'm going I'm to pitch this, and, and I've promised you that I won't take much more than 20 minutes of your time, but I know a guy like you has got a great story, so I'm going to pitch it as quick as I can, but I do that as I understand it, so this is where you get to critique me. But as, as I understand it, um, you know, just looking through, through LinkedIn and, and the places where I can gather information, I know that you're a self-professed data and AI nerd, um, I know that that's not 100% true, but it's a, it's a word that you've used. But you built a career working in sales within the technology industry and then occupied um, director roles, big names like Apple and Tipco Software, etc. Data and AI has been crucial to the work that you've done. And then in 2020, I think it was, you moved across um, to Microsoft for the purpose of modernizing the business of sport through data, which is literally... Um, you know, a sentence which get, gets everybody excited. Um, you also set up the Azure for Sports podcast um, because Azure is, is is the platform that that you're using in, in the sports space, and we're going to get into the detail of that. But the, the the podcast tells the story of sports leagues and clubs and teams and how they're using the power of technology um, to enhance not only the game on on the field, but then also the fan experience, uh, associated revenues, um, and and, and that environment, which has become so important and prevalent in sports. Uh, you're a fellow Southern African um, by birth, um, but you're now living in the United States. So I hope I got at least a six and a half out of 10 for the situation as we know it. But let's go to the, the beginning of the story. So, so where do we find you right now? And how did you get there? Yeah, I'll give you a seven out of 10 for that one, Bob. It was pretty spot on. Well done, man. It's the best mark I've ever got. It was... <laughs> Started the year off with a bag. So I'm currently in New York. Um, I do hail from the the southern motherlands, as we call it, right? And I've been in New York. Actually, I've been in the United States for longer than I've been anywhere else in my entire life in terms of living somewhere. So I've been here for over 20 years now. Um, and every time I call the family back home, they say, man, you sound like such an American. And then I speak to Americans here, they're like, hey, are you from Ireland? Right? So I'm sort of in between that, the, the accent as it is right now. But um, I think that the ending is probably the most interesting part of the, the synopsis you gave there is that that um, self-referenced data and AI nerd, everything I've done quite literally has surrounded itself through taking technology and applying it to something in a business sense, in your field. I've worked in financial services. I've worked in consumer goods with Apple, for example. Um, and now I work in sports. And um, using data and AI specifically for sports is that match made in heaven? And, and I feel exceptionally fortunate. And everyone who I have the privilege to talk to, they go, that's a job? I'm like, yeah, 
it's a real thing, and they actually uh, they pay me for it, and I feel like the luckiest chap on earth, to be honest with you, right? But um, the journey getting here, everything is interconnected, right? And I think if we look so, at it, um, it so often is, you know, like when you look at it from your perspective, it makes sense. But someone from the outside was like, "Hey, help me with these pieces. I don't get how they." So, t- so tell us how it fits together. Exactly right. I mean, the kid sitting on the on the Bloodberg Beach with the surfboard, wishing he could be in Hawaii. To now uh, running Microsoft Sports is is a leap that that I would never have imagined myself taking, right? But I'm super fortunate to have been here. And if you look at the journey, everything is connected. It started when I went to Europe for the first time. Um, I have family that is in England, so I went to go visit them, and I was amazed that this world existed. Right? Number one, it was really cold. Not not really used to that. Little growing up in South Africa, but it was a different pace. And people, the way that, forget accents and all that, but people thought and spoke differently about how they did things. And that was fascinating to me, right? It was a different pace. It was a different way of looking at achieving the same goals that we want to achieve. You want to have a good career, a good family, a good life, good outside of work, a good inside of work balance. But the way they approached it was completely different. And that sparked, I was a young age, it sparked my, my curiosity around how people around the world live. And essentially do the same thing. You wake up, you do something that, are, that affords you a bit of pocket money to go do the things you like, wash, rinse, repeat. How do they keep it going? Um, so I finished school in South Africa and I went to university. I got my, my post-grad degree in South Africa. And I was fortunate enough to then go back to Europe um, and take a small step in Europe. And I was transferred to New York. And I was working for a financial services company called Bloomberg at the time. And I came to New York almost on a whip. It was my birthday. I was sitting in, in Schiphol Airport because I'd just come back from the flight with another mate of mine. And I'm like, hey, it's my birthday tomorrow. What should we do? And just a flippant comment said, oh, we should go to New York. I'm like, hold on. That might not be the craziest thing you've ever said. Back in the day, we had to travel with our passports to get into stock exchanges, et cetera, for the work we were doing. So we bought, duly bought a ticket to New York and then we were. And um, four months after that day, here I was living in New York. I was working in New York, and it was the most fascinating place on earth. But it took me back to that first initial when I hit London, and I thought, "Wow, this is amazing!" As a kid, um, I was in my 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 twenties, and I hit New York, and I was like, "This is a different world. This is a different planet." Right? The pace matched the way that people spoke. It matched the way that people drove. It's it's almost I, I akin it to. My sister asked me, she said, why New York? I said, they do everything like it's possibly the last thing they're ever going to get to do on it. So they put all their passion into it. They put all their drive into it. And I'm like, yes, that's it. That's what I can get attached to, right? Because there's so many things you can do. When they say it's the center of the universe and you make your own destiny, and it couldn't be any more truer than that state. Wow. I mean, I, th- I think what a, what an amazing way to look at it, you know? So, But you've got it. Okay, so you, you end up in the place where where you're super excited to be working, but you've got to have a certain kind of mindset. I mean, just sit in an airport and say, I could go there. A lot of people, as you know, twiddling their thumbs. I, I've got a, um, a very good friend of mine, and, and he's going to be on our, on our, on our chat uh, coming up, but, but he wrote um, a, a fantastic uh, book about sports and psychology, et cetera, and he was talking about a, a time when he went back to his motherland for – for a while and he said you know the worst part was the deliberation the action was actually easy the deliberation you know go- going through this and i wrote something on linkedin the other day about it. it's like the man who 
worries too much before he actually makes a decision or, 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 um, or uh, creates an action. You know, it, it's almost like that man dies twice. Who worries about the outcome? You know what I mean? All the way through. So it's like, is that because you could, you were confident enough in yourself to say, hey, I can go anywhere and do anything? Was it a time like that? Do you think people now in a post-COVID world are probably going to get a little bit closer to that again whereas i think we were quite scared for probably two two and a half years of of moving anywhere and, and movement was it um or is it just a is it a personal mindset that is it is it up to the individual i think it's a combination bob but i i feel i was very fortunate to have um an upbringing my dad was was someone who was well traveled uh he was part of the the navy so he had been to, to various different countries he, he's an englishman which is a uh, connection to there and he found South Africa on one of his tours and and he was like this is it I'm putting a rich down here when I came when my service is done I'm coming back and and that's that's how which I, which I don't disagree with I don't disagree with it is a great place. <laughs> it's phenomenal right but here's the thing that was was I th- I believe very fortunate it was instilled into me at a young distance my dad always encouraged says it's a big world out there go see it right I, I deliberated to your earlier point about where I went to school, where I went to university. I lived in Cape Town at the time. I got accepted into UCT. I can commute from home to go to UCT and come back. I also got accepted into Rhodes University, which is in the middle of the country. I've never been to Grapestown before, which is the town which is in. It's in the, the Eastern Cape. It's not by the water. So this is completely foreign to me. And I deliberated about that for a while. So I ultimately ended up going to Rhodes. And it was the best thing I could ever have done because it took me out of my safety zone for the first time. I said when I traveled it over my mind and that was great, but I always came home. I always came back to that safety blanket. When you're at school, there is no safety blanket. Your safety blanket is you got to get the grace to maintain your, your schooling career, but you're coming home to a strange place at first or to a strange residence that I was in at first, and you've got to make these new connections and that. And I think that agitated the itchy feet somewhere. I'm like, if I could make it here, I can go and take it a step further, right? So when I finished university, um, I went back to Cape Town, I did my post-grad um, degree in Cape Town, but I traveled a lot throughout Southern Africa, right? Out into a sub-Saharan South Africa because, it, number one, it was easy for us to, it was easier for us to do. It was, it was a wonderful place, but it's very far. I mean, getting on an airplane to go somewhere is a commitment and it's a long commitment. We would take drives up to Namibia, up to Botswana, up to Zaire, and right? you take a couple of your mates then I started doing something purposeful. I started taking less and less minutes and trying to do stuff on my own to see if I could get there and do it. Um, and I think I've always then had that ability to go into an uncomfortable situation that I don't know. Maybe I don't know the language. Maybe I don't know the culture. Maybe I don't even know where I'm going to stay that night. Maybe it's staying in the car, right? But get comfortable with it, assimilate myself into the situation, and most of all, have fun. Try to thrive in it, right? Have fun. And I think that's been the best thing. It's super scary at first, right? But now it's it's second nature. Right? I, have, I jump on a plane, jump on a golf, go anywhere, speak to people I don't know, jump into an opportunity I know I know nothing about. It's great. We'll learn it. We'll do it. And that's a skill set. I mean, I, I, it's 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 a it's a skill. It's it's almost like a, um, you know, I've come across people who can't do that. If if you know what I mean, it's like, it's like you get. And and so foreign to me because I I think exactly the same as you do, um, and I love that. I'll go, you know, someone will say, "Hey, should we go to Spain?" I'm like, "Yes, I, yeah." I mean, 
Rocho, if it's finish Harlem or if it's Spain, he hasn't even finished. He's just got the SPA out, you know? And I'm going like, yes, let's go because we've got to see it. But then you get people who go, oh, no, 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 hold on. Like all these things could go wrong. And, you know, it's, it's just different, different, different types. I mean, I, th- I think I think you 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 display exactly why you've got a good understanding of it, John. How's that helped in the work environment? How's that helped you leap into new things? I mean, you, you said it beforehand. You work within one of the biggest software companies in the world, um, if not the biggest, and and certainly most famous in sports, in real time data and analytics collection, literally in everything that the coaches need, the owners need, the players need. I mean, that's got to be some of the most exciting stuff um, known to man to, to, to work it. You know, how, how does how does that skill set of yours being able to leap into anything help you there? And how did it get you there? Yeah, and it, it's it's a great question because it's one of the, th- I always live my life by, by why nots, right? So when I got to Microsoft, um, I, I joined the the organization to to play in the world of data, right, and to play in the world of sports. And sports was a was a, a a something that wasn't on the tip of everyone's tongue if you're in a sports organization, right. So the head coaches or the analytical staff or the general managers are going, "Hey, we have a data problem. Let's go speak to Microsoft." And I and I took umbrage to that. I thought, well, that's that's fairly ridiculous because if you look at what our capabilities are. And if you look at where we've proven it before at scale, right? And if you look at some of the magic that we've done through artificial intelligence, through cloud computing, through data solutions, whether it's first or third party, it's a perfect fit, but it wasn't jelly. And I and, and I wasn't happy with that. I'm like, well, we are better than this. I think we need to tell our story. I think we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. But we're not going to take a leap of faith that is dangerous enough that our executives, our sponsors within the organization will go, that's a step too far. So I think arguing back to, to how you grow up, it's understanding calculated risk that you take, but also understanding the audience in which you're asking them to take that risk with you. They're taking that journey with you. So my pitches were, were very simple internal to pipe subs. Like we're already doing this for retail goods, for consumer goods, for financial services, for government organizations. I'm asking you to do the same thing. I'm putting a different veneer on it, but we're using the same services. We're using the same tooling and the same staff that we have right now. Instead of going into a a factory to look at sensors on a machine to see if it's going to break down, we could be then talking about going to a a sporting organization, looking at the uh, stadium and seeing, is the stadium going to heat or cool enough people and not break down during the middle of the Super Bowl? Because that would be awful. It's exactly how many, the same. How many people at what temperature is the maximum and what's exactly. the minimum? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's treating sport like a business. And and how have you felt, have you felt that, that transition to the world seeing sport as a business? I mean, the world, I, I love the quote, um, you know, uh, sport is the opium of the masses. You know, it's like the it, it it when opium was was the sort of worldwide joke that just quieted everybody because you've got your passionate passion for football or whatever it is on the side. I mean, sport is something we just consume all day, every day across myriad different different channels. But you know, when did you feel? Oh, hold on, here's the ticker. This this is actually going to be as big as re, it's it's going to be pervasive, like you know, internet or retail. Uh, or e-commerce or, or one of those? 
I've always been a, I've always been uh, an avid sports fan, right? I, I gave up the the ghost a long time ago that I'm not going to be a professional uh, X Y Z, right? I was going to be like Sean Thompson and I was going to be riding waves for the rest of my life, and that didn't work out. I figured, all right, I could be uh, I could be a rugby player, and I'm certainly a professional fan of rugby right now, but I was never ever good enough to uh, to make it in the majors, so to speak. But the sport has always been, no matter where I've moved to, no matter where I visited. There has been a sport, right? South Africa is ex- extremely rugby heavy. And then I traveled uh, to a, a country in, in Southeast Asia and it was very MMA heavy. It was very mixed martial arts and it was completely foreign to me. Loved it. Right? I went to America. I was like, this is, I, I don't understand it. But you look around and everyone is there for that thing. And that same passion that you have sitting in the middle of Newlands or, or, or Loftus is, is right there and, and, and it's tangible. And where it really sunk home for me and where I, I really pitted my career in sports was during COVID, was when it was taken away. Yeah, yeah. Right? When it was taken away, if people miss something, you've got something that's pervasive. If people don't miss it, I'm like, oh, that was cool, but I don't really miss it anymore. You're not really onto something, right? So what we did at Microsoft as well, but what we did in the sports community through all the different power providers and startups and established companies – we found a way to present sports to the masses virtually, right? Whether that's putting it on the teams for the for the NBA, playing in the Disney bubble, for example, right? Or playing to empty stadiums and piping in crowd reactions from home so the 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 the, the players feel like they are being supported. That's what it really hit home for me, Bob, is that sports is number one recession proof because people are still buying tickets to go and see their sporting events, and number two. It is pandemic proof. And there's not many things that can ever say that it's pandemic proof, right? Um, and it's pandemic proof insofar as numbers didn't drop. We just found a different way to consume the sports that we wanted to. And there I thought, man, that's something that you cannot recreate. That's lightning in a bottle and you find right there. And if you're able to tap that when we get back, the world of sports is going to explode into being taken seriously as a business. Now we are back and look at I mean, you can look at it from just a sheer salary perspective, right? And you look at the salaries that, and pick a sport, whether it's cricket, whether it's rugby, whether it's NFL, NBA, just the salaries that the coaching staff get. Forget the players, because they're transient. They're going to be in and out based upon their age and their talent and injuries, et cetera. But the, the, the coaching staff that puts the product on that people like us, the fans, want to go and see, see how handsomely they are paid. Sports are loss leader organizations. They make a profit. So if they have the ability to put that sort of salary in someone's hand, think about the ability we have been to agitate for the revenues, for the revenue opportunities based upon that. Because people are following teams, people are following players, but people are also following coaches. So it's a business with multiple entry points that I believe is going to be around for a long, long time. Um, I believe it's changing now with the world of AI in terms of how close we as a fan are getting into the, or being able to get into the game. I think this is a rise of what I call the professional. Yeah. Right? The casual fans are always going to be casual, but we have access to so much more data now than ever before as a fan that we're coming somewhat legitimate armchair quarterbacks at looking at these things on a Monday board. That's true. And 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 I think, I mean, I just want to take you, and, and I know we're close to time, but I, I just want to take you to a working example because I know a little bit about it, just scratching the surface, but Microsoft have been super close to the NBA and one of the most successful rollouts of um, an app, a portal, if you want, for, for fans to 
to really get involved in that sport. Tell us a little bit about that that journey and what it's been like for you and and the team that have that have built it with you. Yeah, that's been magic. And the NBA is such a fantastic organization. And, and talk about forward thinking. Talk about um, how they can make the experience that they put on for their fans better. You can't find an organization more invested in it than that, right? Um, so we help them create and launch a new app. They have multiple different uh, places where you could ingest data, whether that's looking at video on your TV, broadcast, or whether it's streaming, and then you've got stats and all these kind of things coming at you. We put that into a single place where a fan of the NBA can go into this app, whether it's on a smart TV or, or, an, or an iPad or an iPhone or an Android equivalent of those, and have one place to watch the games, but watch it the way they want to. They can choose different feeds or audio if they wanted to. They can watch four different games at the same time if they wanted to. If they have a, I, I'm an alma mater of a certain college, so I have an affinity towards this team because I went to the University of Miami, so I love the Heat. Um, I actually grew up in a household that loved the Utah Jazz, so I want to watch the Utah Jazz in the same time. And, and the Lakers, they want because of the Rock. We want to see what he's doing right now. So you can watch all this, which wasn't, wasn't possible before. You choose, it, it's a choose one or the other, right? Which, which you want to watch. People flicking through and friends who had the media rights on the TV, if you're in a blackout or not blackout, they're taking care of that. But they've also brought the fan a, a, a step deeper into the game of basketball, where they are giving them a place where they can get behind. They're, we we just had this this awesome um, feature come out of the app called NBA Fitness, right? Where you can actually see how the NBA stars train, and you can emulate, and you can do that training as well. So now you're training like LeBron, you're training like Tatum, you're training like Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant, right? Talk about bringing people into a community in which they love. There's no real chance that I'm ever going to get into a gym with, with Jimmy Butler and start doing something. I could because I pass out after the rep or whatever it is he's doing. But you can but be close can to it through the app. Could, and there's no judgment because I'm at home. It's in the same zone for me, right? And I can do that. So I think it's really an example of how you take a technology company and a sporting organization, put their passions and their love and their capabilities together that creates a better version of both of their singular entities put together. And do you think, I mean... You know, we see this proliferation of media, of technology. I mean, you know, we're only 30, 40 years um, into digital production. You know, do, do, do you think we're going to see an, an acceleration of other sports using that as an example, trying to engage with their fans better, trying to mine the fans for, for more attention, if you want, probably more money as well, and more, more observational time? Um you know, it, it becomes incredibly competitive. But do you think we'll see some sports fall away because they're not good at this part of it? Or, or do you think we'll just see the technology evolve and then there's a little bit of a place for everybody? How, how do you see that future playing? I see both of those scenarios playing out, Bob, but kind of in that order, right? So the ones that have the revenue um, goals that they need to, they're going to have they're going to have the money to make the investments that they need to to get the sport to where it needs to be in terms of broadcast, in terms of getting content out. We talk about how everyone likes to watch highlights, right, the next morning. No, we want to watch highlights now. Because the next morning we read the news story or your mates told you the score, and that, you lost the value, right? Um, but there are going to be sports where they don't have the burgeoning sports, right? Take Pickable. Everyone laughs at Pickable in the United States, right? But it is one of the fastest growing stateside sports in the world. Um, and they picked up TV rights. They have traditional broadcast rights that, but they also have streaming rights. So... Streaming games fun, but what do you do with that data that you collect? I think that's where you get technology is going to, is, is the tide that lifts all ships here. 
we're going to be able to get to a state, whether it's Microsoft or not capabilities, or you choose somebody else, that's fine. But um, it's what can we do to automatically get you more data into the hands of your fans, to get you a better streaming experience, whether it's an app or a smart TV, that you don't have to then go build a technology team, buy all this technology and figure out how to glue it all together and that. That doesn't make any sense anymore. You're not a technology company, you're a sports company. You go do what you do best, which is pickleball, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. We're the technology company that speaks sports. So we understand why you're trying to do what you do. We understand how to do it with you and we can help you shortcut that time and value. I think you're going to see a lot more of big tech and sport joining hands in order to create that sporting experience, that premium experience for everyone. Yeah, exactly. You're going to see more leadership from the tech companies saying, hey, we pick for sport, whereas the sports companies, I think, have tried to own that space. Look, John, we, we're sort of out of time. I could talk to you for years, um, and, I, and I love um, connecting with you. I'm deeply appreciative of, of your time. Thank you for making time for us. Um, I'm going to knock it on the head there. I just want to check from you. You happy with people following you and connecting on LinkedIn? Um, we did mention your, your, your podcast, etc. Is there anything else you want to, you want to shout out any secret projects you'd like people to, uh, to know about or anything like that. But from our side, it's a, it's a, it's a, a big thank you. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you it. very much. And uh, thank you for having me on uh, Again, I could also, I could also wax lyrical with you for a couple of years here as well. It's, it's wonderful. And, and again, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and, and tune into the podcast if that's your thing. Uh, but deeply appreciative of you uh, having some uh, conversation with me. Oh, thank you, mate.